Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and uh, I'm joined tonight uh, by a uh, band leader of the Afro-Caribbean Latin Jazz Orchestra, uh, known for their very uh, elaborate, fun performances, De La Buena. Um, I'm excited to talk to him about his what what he's been up to and his projects. Uh, he used to do the Living Dub stuff. Um, he's uh, a carpenter. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, uh, River Wester, uh, all around good dude. Uh, excited talking about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Thank you, David Wake, for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's good You're to be welcome. here. Yeah, uh, over there in your shop, I see. Yep, I'm up above Company Brewing right now, and oh, in oh, in my workshop. I always wondered what what up there looked like. Yeah, uh, you know, because. I used to work there, so, but I never got to go up there. I heard, yeah, like, there's, like, people make music up there, too, is my understanding. Yeah, there's, like, about three kind of smaller um, music studios, and there's various producers and musicians who kind of share those spaces. One of them, this the one right next door to me, is actually a guy who is a screen printer. So there's, like, two music studios in the smaller rooms and then uh, the screen printer, and then there's a really big studio across the hall. I think it's about 1,300 square feet. And that one is currently um, occupied by a dance company. They're having dance class right now. They're really good folks. And then I have like a 700 square foot um, shop in the corner where I do. I have a piano. If, if, my, if my internet connection, if I wasn't afraid, it would drop out because it's a little touchy in here. Around the corner in my studio over yonder. Oh. I've got a piano there behind that wall. Oh. So it's really nice. I've got like, you know, my, my shop set up for all my saws and, you know, and all my stuff for woodworking and tile work and my construction. And then I've got a piano here that I can, at the end of the day when I'm unwinding or when I want to record stuff, I'll come here late at night sometimes and, and cool. uh, record on that piano. Yeah. Oh, dope. Yeah. So yeah. it's just sort of like a, uh, a multi-purpose creative space for you in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I saw you just do, doing some of that uh, when I've been in company brewing before. I've seen you, uh, you know, uh, putting some shit to either together or taking it apart. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was doing some work for company. I like re I, I refinished the high top tables and built new bases for them. And I've done some work for George and cool. just kind of help out when he's got a little project. And yeah, along with That's my cool. other work. Yeah. Cool. Dope. Um, yeah, man. Uh, well, to start, uh, how was your day today? My day was at, was fantastic today, actually. I've got, so my 13-year-old um, daughter, who's in eighth grade, she has been, um, she goes to this uh, United Community Center. They have two um, middle schools over there on the south side. They've got the Bruce Guadalupe School, which is like a bigger campus. And then they've got like a small kind of specialized, they're kind of academically focused campus. It's a newer building called uh, Acosta Middle School. So she's been back in, and they've got their COVID protocols really, really tight and on point. Mm -hmm. She's been back in in-person school for at least two months now, maybe a little more, and really paying off. So I am not normally a super morning person, but she's got to go. I got to get her out the door like 7.15 every morning. So, um, so my other daughter, my nine-year-old, has been talking about wanting to watch the sunrise. Um, and so the last couple of days, I said, let's find the right day, and then... Um, you know, yesterday I said, I think that, I think the, the rain clouds might break. I think tomorrow might be a perfect day to watch the sunrise. So her and I got up, 
this morning, um, grabbed some fruit and popped on down to the lakefront and watched the sunrise together, my nine-year-old Livy. So it was a perfect way to start the day. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Uh, everything just kind of went from there, went and did some tiling and just had kind of a smile on my face the whole day. So. Man, I love a good Lake Michigan sunrise. And I've tried to, I've tried to get it from like each different beach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've done Atwater a bunch of times, uh, done Bradford a couple times. Yep. McKinley's nice too. I honestly, it'd be cool to get down maybe like the South Shore one, one of these days. Uh, but that's beautiful. See yeah. it from another side of the city. Uh, where'd you go this morning? So we, I, I like to watch it because um, I grew up on the east side, right by UWM too. So Lake Park oh. was kind of my, Oh yeah. I grew up like five, six blocks from Lake Park. So it was kind of my zone. So went down, I, I really do like that, the gun club area where, where the old gun club was, where the water purification plant is. That's a nice spot, but we went to Brad Bradford Beach and uh, walked out on the beach, which was really nice. Dude, I, yeah, I recently went over there when the ice was kind of melting and uh, like during the day, just to see the beach, like, cause I hadn't really like explored it like uh, this time of year, but to see yeah. some of like the really like alien looking ice formations and just the way the terrain was, it was, it was cool. It was very beautiful and uh saw some uh some waterfowl you don't really get to see a whole lot like there's some ducks i think that are here for uh like the breeding season nice. um and uh, yeah i the the beach uh in spring is a little underrated i think i agree i agree it's really great you know just getting on the sand and wasn't to occupy there's a there was a nice amount of people out to see the sunrise which was really yeah. cool but but yeah, we just like walked out on the beach and it was just, yeah, it was really refreshing. You know, it wasn't too cold, but it was like had that right amount of chill in the air and the waves are kind of whipping up and it just was a really, really nice morning. I, I do agree that it's a uh, year round. The lake is, is, is a great yeah. thing. Man. I've seen that thing on the, on the far end of some long nights too. And yeah. so, you know, coming at it in the morning is a nice perspective as yeah. well. I've done a few times. I did it in when it was really cold and like the lake was smoking basically, which was. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Damn, man, you're making me uh, want to go uh, uh, plan a sunrise trip uh, one of these days. I should do I, that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I think we're, I'm going to make, I don't know if I'll go for it or Livia, my daughter will, but I'm thinking of trying to make it like a once a week thing or one, or once every two weeks. Cause Dude, imagine how like much that would lift your spirits every week you know if you made that a routine yeah totally yep it really did I mean I yeah my day started off so right it's like it did really set the tone so it was good oh dope awesome man well uh yeah I'm glad you can make time uh, to do this real quick I know uh your daughter's at soccer um so uh David what we talked about on Mr. Nice Guy we talked love and fear passion and creativity and so uh I've seen De La Buena a couple times. Uh, first time I saw them, I believe, was uh, uh, at the, it was during the River West 24, uh, oh, yeah, two okay. years ago. Two Outside years ago. of Dino's maybe on the street. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a super fun show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was my first summer living in River West, which was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a blast. I was bummed I couldn't like really live into it this past summer but you know shit happens obviously sure does yeah but uh saw you guys at the uh uh at company brewing um that november uh so that was about a year and a half ago now wasn't that like ruth wiles birthday 
we did do, I think that you and I talked uh, this other time, yeah, Ruth Wiles birthday, um, it was at, we played a company brewing for it. And she, yeah. she had like happy, I had that day in my book for like two years. She was like, for this birthday, I want to do, uh, it, you know, Dela at company brewing. And that was, that was another really fun show. That was, it was a fundraiser, I think, wasn't it? Yep. For this, for this five, three, two, one, two presents who used to occupy the space where the dance, there's a different dance crew in there. Now they moved the uh, five, three, two, one, two presents moved out, but that was a fundraiser for them. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah. yeah. It's some really cool I, stuff going I remember like, um, you know, the price at the door was a little more than it usually was that night. And I was like, but it's going to be so fun. We got to go. So I brought uh, two of my friends that night and we just danced all night and had such a blast and got to talk to you in the back room. Really yeah. got to know like De La Buena as a project. Before we talk about uh, everything that you're up to now, um, <laughs> typically we take it back. So you said you grew up on the east side. Um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, kind of like how music, how it became a creative outlet for yourself when you were younger, like how did it all start? So, um, so my father was a musician. Um, he played, uh, piano and, um, and guitar. And he also sang and was like a choir director. He was in the seminary when he was younger and he did a lot of music in the seminary and my mother was going to be a nun. So I, I'm there like demon spawn, but, um, but there's still a lot of love, but uh, so, so my mom was also very musical. So I, I grew up with music my whole life. I did, I took piano and guitar. There was always music on in the house. Always Stevie Wonder and Sly and the Family Stone and Billy Joel and the Beatles. And my dad had like a real big ear for lots of different music, classical stuff all over the board. And um, so my sister is also a singer. Um, and uh, so we, you know, we'd sing four part harmonies as a family. We all played some instruments. So um, then I, I also and was and still am a big soccer player, football player. Um, so, you know, I was very serious about that as well. And then when I was 16, I ended up breaking my leg playing ball. Oh, dear. And like right in the middle of the summer. And I, you know, I was still keeping up with some piano and guitar and stuff, but folks said, hey, you know, we should probably, why don't you take up some music lessons again, get a little deeper. And there's this great piano player by the name of Dan Albrechtson. He's, I think he's like in Waukesha. He's a really great jazz player. I said, yeah, let's do that. So I started taking piano lessons from him and I started learning all, all like much more about jazz and like boogie woogie, all sorts of different music styles. It's sort of like it's something that I, I've been in and out of teaching music too throughout my adult life. And something I always kind of think about when teaching kids especially is like, you have this kind of theoretical zone of music theory. And then you have this zone of like your comfort music, the stuff you listen to, the stuff you wanna play. And, it's, and, and really what, what it's kind of about is merging those two zones where you can apply that, where it doesn't just seem like boring old practice stuff or, um, theory and you're like oh I can actually apply that stuff and learn to play the stuff that I want and and so Dan really connected those dots for me when I started studying with him um and um and then I just kind of was like no looking back from there I was just I was I, I was you know started so probably by like I was 17 I started playing and bands playing out and stuff like that and was really into it and um 
And then just like another real quick step back into my past that kind of ties into some, maybe my love of like, I, I don't necessarily like the term world music, yeah. um, but I think like global music, maybe like global roots and, and, and more like um, cultural musics of the world. Um, when I was like five years old, my parents had um, some Ethiopian friends in Milwaukee and uh, there was a big exodus of Ethiopians um, from, from Ethiopia um, in the late seventies. And so there was a gentleman that was living in London after leaving Ethiopia in exile. And he came and lived with my family for a year. And oh, so that sort of like sparked this love of kind of all things Ethiopian. Like I really love Ethiopian food and I really got, got into Ethiopian music, which is something that to this day is one of my like big loves uh, of, um, you know, playing and, and learning continued education about Ethiopian music and listening to it. Um, so then step forward into the future when I've kind of am developing my kind of love of jazz and a little more learning kind of like the, the bridges into pop music and, and kind of the, the, the uh, evolution of pop music, you know, from these really standard jazz roots to what we have now. And then like some boogie woogie and blues and stuff like that. And as I moved through high school and into college, I started getting into, you know, playing a lot of like funk, listen to funkadelic and stuff like that. And then really, really got heavily into reggae and like, obviously like the, the Whalers early albums. And then I started branching out into culture, Burning Spear, um, you know, and then all over. And then I found Jackie Matu, who's like the kind of the, he's the original ranger for the Scottalites and the kind of like the organ king of the organ in, in Jamaican music. So I really, really got into that stuff, which led to a lot of touring stuff that happened for me um, in, um, you know, in, in the reggae world. So I started, so I, do you want like the whole story of kind of like Uptown Lao? Can I keep? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like uh, you gravitated towards a lot of music that makes people move and groove. Oh yeah, for sure. I love groovy music. I mean, like Herbie Hancock, this funky stuff, the Creed Taylor stuff and the jazz, you know, like soul jazz, stuff like that. And so I was always a piano player, but I got my first Hammond maybe when I was, I don't know, 19 or 20. And then um, I was playing, some of the earliest memories I have is playing with Eric Blowtorch's band way back in the day where I met a lot of musical it was like kind of my best friend growing up, Dave McKinney was a bass player. And so him and I joined the group and then I met my friend Eric Radloff playing in that band who is the drummer for Living Dub and still a friend. And he's also a great carpenter uh, and craftsman and tile guy as well. But um, so, um, so I was playing with Eric Blowtorch's band kind of moving around. And then um, a, another friend of mine that I knew in high school, this guy, Todd Richards, bass player and we had we had always been keeping track kind of keeping in touch um we got like some one-off gig to do i think we were playing outside on downer outside of like an eye store on downer and um and he said yeah let's put a trio together i said well i know this really great drummer that i've been playing in in the eric blowtorch's band with this guy eric radloff and we the three of us got together played this one-off gig and that turned into this band called recycled future which um which ended up that was like my first the band i first started touring with so that was just like an organ trio we did a lot it was kind of in like the jam band scene it was like when jam bands were really happening and we kind of we did a lot of kind of like songwriting stuff we had we we all have kind of had like a pension for arranging so we would kind of arrange our you know our tunes but still have kind of like funky groovy parts for that were danceable 
and and you know we kind of kind of tried to have no real boundaries with it we really just went where the spirit moved us and that band all of a sudden had this opportunity we, we had a friend who was in town from barcelona um he was doing some studying at uwm he said hey you should come to barcelona and play and we're like yeah we'd love to so uh, then a month later he's back or two months later he's back in barcelona he says hey i got a three-week tour lined up for you in catalonia come and so that was like that opened up the whole world of touring to me because then all of a sudden i realized it was just like that. Next thing you know, we were renting. It was, I was the only one in the band that could drive stick shift. So here I am driving through Bar this stick shift van through Barcelona, going to get the rental. We rented a bunch of keys and we just kind of made it happen. Had a great time there. And that band toured. So I guess that band was about, was around for maybe, maybe six, seven years. And we mm -hmm. toured a bunch um, all around the States. We, just, we, had, we had a van and a trailer. We had to make payments on the van and the trailer. We booked like 60 day tours and just like go out pick up gigs as we went just totally word of mouth we had a Some regular sleep schedules come with that oh yeah i know exactly i've always been one to stay up late anyway but yeah it totally irregular sleep schedules but it was like i realized that kind of touring life was for me yeah that that band i ended that band kind of um i don't want to say disintegrated but broke up um and then i moved to new york where I was presented with some other touring opportunities. I linked up with this band called Dub is a Weapon, which is that, and I, again, that's like kind of on the dub front. Mm -hmm. I, I had this big love for reggae and dub music. And there were some guys playing in New York with this band Dub is a Weapon. So I linked up with them, started touring with them. Um, and then, um, and then my, my father got sick, got very sick. And I came back to Milwaukee to help take care of him. And I was still touring with Dub as a Weapon, and then Dub as a Weapon ended up getting the gig as, as Lee Scratch Perry's touring band. So I toured with Scratch for like two years. And in the meantime, I linked up with this other band, David Hilliard and the Rocksteady Seven. It's like an old Scottalites type group. Mm. Um, the, David Hilliard's the saxophone player for this band, the Slackers, like a New York kind of ska group that's been around for a long time. And, um, and so I still record with David and tour with him now. I, I was in Europe with him a couple years ago. So yeah, I mean, I just kind of you know keep my stuff open, and then of course there was the band Kings Go Forth, <clears throat> which um, kind of was born a little bit out of De La Buena. So then in the meantime, De La Buena is kind of cooking. I mean, I was touring with other people, and so I never really had a huge impetus to take De La Buena on the road because I just there was so much work. Like I was, I would always be the side man having a great time with the band leader stressing, and I was like, no, you know what? I don't. I'll be the I'll be the band leader for the Milwaukee-based De La Buena. I'll tour with these other groups, and uh, you know, it was a really fun band. And and then I had met Cecilio Negron through playing this other band called One Drum, and him and I like instantly hit it off on Latin music. We both wanted to start a Latin band, and then I knew this other guy named Andy Noble who oh, yeah. is a record guy and he's oh, yeah. a great bass player. Great. I mean, like does cool the, stuff. Yeah. yeah. One of the most tasteful guys I know, just really brilliant musical mind. And so I said, CeeLo, I know a bass player that we could start this Latin band with. So we start cooking with <clears throat> De La Buena. And again, that started as a trio as well. And it just started growing. And then in the midst of that, <clears throat> Andy kind of said, Hey, I really want to start like a three piece Originally, Kings Go Forth was going to be like a three-piece, like ska and rock steady um, male vocal harmony group, and then we started playing some shows, and and it kind of gravitated more towards soul music, and then that band just like blew up out of nowhere at South by Southwest, and we started doing a bunch of touring. Oh, dude, that's awesome! 
it was Austin's really so cool man Austin's oh, a great Austin. city yeah yeah I love it we did yeah we went and did the Austin City Limits Festival which was they they do an amazing job over there we went we did bumper shoot in Seattle which is another one those are like two of my favorite festivals oh word yeah um, yeah um yeah so then that just kind of and then in the meantime I started having kids when I was on tour with Lee Perry it's really funny because like the like the second person that knew that I was having a baby from my end was Taj Mahal because my guy in in um dub is a weapon with that we were playing with scratch um larry mcdonald who's this great he's like 83 year old uh jamaican percussionist he's played with everybody wow he was so everybody else is out at golden golden gate park we are at the hotel in san francisco um and um and my my now wife calls me and we've been talking about i think we could have kids i think we could do all right with kids and i'm sitting here on tour, uh, you know, like two nights in San Francisco with Lee Scratch Perry. Uh, the night, I think we had one off night where I went and saw this amazing band from St. Croix called Culture. I mean, um, called um, Midnight. I don't know if you've heard of Midnight. Okay, They're sure. Fantastic reggae band. Oh, cool. Um, and so I went and saw them live and I'm sitting by the pool at this far out Phoenix hotel in San Francisco. And my wife calls me up. She says, yeah, you know how we've been talking about maybe having kids? Well, yeah, we're gonna have kids. <laughs> so nice. I went up and, yeah, I went up and just talked to my my friend and mentor, Larry McDonald. And I said, Larry, um, how old are you? And you had started having kids. He's like, Well, I was 21 when I had my first tree. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, I'm gonna be all right. I was like, Well, Larry, um, I'm having a baby. And in the and right like at that time, Taj Mahal catches up with him on the phone. He's talking to Taj. He's like, Yo, Taj. Yeah, Dave Wake's having a baby, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good story, though, you know. Yeah, and then so I started having kids. And then, you know, um, the downside, of course, is be, my, my wife, Holly, is is an amazing. Um, shout out to, okay, big shout out to Holly, because I saw she did the uh, the portraits of women in music, yeah. the, the femme yeah. In event. Yeah, that's yep. very wonderful. Big shout out to Holly. Yeah, big shout out to Holly. She's she's an incredible artist and, and musician in her own right. And I mean, our kids are really musical. So yeah, I mean, so she was very cool. You know, she's in the Painted Caves too. And, and they went to India. Yeah. We've, had our, we've had our share of good good living and touring. But when I, the touring schedule was getting really rigorous and um, everything turned out fine. But we had a couple complications with our second child. And here I am, I was in Rotterdam, I'll never forget this. It's the, you know, there's the ups and downs of touring. I was in Rotterdam, it was kind of gray and Holly called me up and it's like, here I am across the ocean for three weeks and she's pregnant and she, you know, got some news that there might be a complication from our midwife and it was just kind of a freaked out day and here I am on the road. And that was, that was one of those moments where I kind of realized that I wasn't gonna be able to do that forever, at least while the kids are young. Um, and, uh, and so now we have three kids and I did, I do, that's why I'm really grateful for my guy, Dave Hilliard, because that band is kind of his, like, that's like his passion project away from the slackers. So that band, I've done some recording with him, uh, remotely. I've done a few albums with him remotely. And during the pandemic here, I've done some recording for his next couple albums. And, um, and then like, yeah, once every two, three years or so, I'll get a call. Hey, you want to go to Europe for three weeks? I'll, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's a real nice arrangement, and he's a and he's a great. I, I just share a real kindred musical spirit with him. We oh yeah, I, I bet when we play. So yeah, I bet. Um, and does do the tours take you all over Europe or? Uh... Yeah, so the last tour we did was summer two thousand eighteen, and we um, 
And we were in 25 cities in 27 days. The longest, it was, it was insane. I, the longest yeah. I was in one place, the only, there was like only maybe two times I was in Paris for more than 24 hours on the way out. And I was in Charleroi, Belgium for 24 hours because the drummer oh, cool. was from Belgium. And we stopped at his house and we had one day off, but the rest was just like maybe 17 hours in one city and then on to the next. Oh, wow. All over Italy, Switzerland, uh, Germany, France, Spain, UK, all the way up north to Newcastle. Um, bunch of shows in France, Belgium, Netherlands. Um, and then all over Italy, like the band was super um, international, like a bunch of European guys and um, some South American dudes in the band too. Man, so, how yeah. wonderful, dude. That's, that's oh, nice. It yeah. is good living. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's so, yeah, now that we're, uh, we've kind of built up to the, the present here. Uh, thank you for the, uh, thank you for the timeline. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So the band, uh, so, um, Quick uh, backtrack. So, around what what was like the year like De La Buena formed? Like, what was that around? Yeah, so I think two thousand three is when we formed. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Almost on uh, two decades of uh, playing shows and touring and collaborating. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so you guys, um, I know you dropped the record in twenty eleven, um, yeah. and. Uh, that, that kind of gets us up to speed to like, so when I interrogated you at company, yeah. that one night, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I was like, so what are you, what are you guys doing? What are you, what are you guys up to uh, when we get in a record? Um, and uh, do you want to just, you know, obviously this past year derailed a lot of it's shit. Good. Understandably. It's, yeah. Interestingly so enough. Yeah. So interestingly enough, it's sort of gotten the process going more than that crazy, you know, like we were talking before, it's just like before the pandemic life was just so crazy and busy. And I had so many caps that I was wearing and so many commitments and it was really hard to get the time, you know, let, let alone writing and, you know, arranging and writing and booking. And I do all the, you know, I kind of like run the business for day lot too and do all the booking and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And so it's really hard to get some recordings going. Um, and what has happened in this year that's been wonderful, and though it's still, it's a little bit, taken a little bit of time, is I just started recording all the bed tracks. I've, so I've got like five or six bed tracks of original tunes. And we've got probably, I mean, I've been writing a bunch of new tunes during this too. So with like jazz stuff even, and then the more like dance Dela stuff, I've probably got three albums worth of material wow. out there. So I, what I started doing is I started just making those arrangements like and, and recording stuff. And then you'll see in the video that I sent you, that was one that I wrote during the pandemic and got it together and then sent it out and everybody, you know, recorded video um, from their own homes. But that's kind of what the direction I've been going in is we're in the pandemic. So let's, I want to start this record recording process. So I've been getting, you know, the tempos, the arrangements I want, laying down, <clears throat> you know, laying down piano and maybe just like a, full baseline for feel and, and like real easy, like real simple percussion and then bringing Cecilio in and he's been laying down, you know, some, some other foundational percussion stuff. And then Joey Sanchez bass player to get his stuff. And we're just kind of working our way through uh, Kevin Christensen, the drummer, Julio Pabon, everybody's kind of getting the stuff. And then um, like Steve Peplin and Brian Rogers, who are the two, two different guitar players that, that play with the band at various times. 
both of them kind of bringing them in the mix and then getting all the horn players in. So I've been really, I've been kind of um, really fine tuning some of the tunes that, that we hadn't recorded that I'd written a while ago and then also writing a bunch of new stuff. And so slowly but surely we're working our way towards a new album. I, you know, I really wanted to have one in 2020 and obviously, yeah, that, you know, just pivot. It was, it was a year of fluidity and pivoting. So it, but it did give me a, it was a little bit of release on the pressure valve because I always felt like it had been so long since we put out an album and I, you know, and, it, and I felt like my plate was already so full um, that it was really hard to get the project moving and every and people would be asking when's the next record coming out and I remember that night too and I was like I swear it'll be soon and, and so <laughs> yeah. it feels good because it's you know we're still a ways off but it's like the process has started and I've got like six tunes mapped out to various degrees and I, I'm learning like I'm making them kind of freaky and psychedelic because I'm sitting in my basement adding parts with no other musicians and I'm like oh yeah this will be like the horn line and as I'm like fine-tuning the horn lines and then I like you know make play some weird synthesizer on it. I'm like, hey, that actually might work for the recording. So it's opened up the creative possibilities for me, among other things. And yeah. I just, you know, I just uh, coming into the, these next few months and talking about the living dub thing, it's like, I think that there's enough, I have enough live material that it might be worth just kind of like dropping some biscuits of live stuff as we get this next studio record together. Um, yeah, I have no date, but it's moving. You know, uh, that's okay. You know, I, I don't set my expectations anywhere these days with people because everyone is just sort of like existing right now. Yeah. And it happens when it happens. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, and I'm interested in your response to this, is uh, I've been thinking a lot about like what bands sets are going to look like on the other side of COVID. Like, uh, post yeah. like, because you you know you're you're saying how you know you've been writing a lot of new stuff yeah and so like I'm wondering like what you're gonna pull from like the past and then like merge it with the present and like yeah just like what's gonna be you know just shows are gonna look a little different I feel because it's gonna be a lot of material no one's ever heard before yeah I've been thinking about that a lot and and so first of all De La Buena people are gonna be really surprised because it's gonna turn into Dave Wake's solo piano funky folk singer fun um but it's really I've been doing I I have been really getting in touch with like my songwriting thing and I and I kind of always did it just kind of for myself you know for my process um but it's been really fun writing and singing and getting in touch with my voice again but yeah, I have been, it's, that's a very, very poignant question because I've been thinking about that a lot. And part of me just like, you know, of course it's like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, it's, it's, it's the balance. I don't wanna go back to just like, cause even the couple shows we played in the last year, like the Funk Wagon, a couple things, it's like, I like, holy shit, that's so much work getting ready for a show, like getting all the arrangements ready. And now it's gonna be some smaller bands. So I gotta pare down some of the horn arrangements. So they're still for maybe two horns instead of four so that they're still full. And um, so, you know, part of me is like, maybe the first couple shows we come back will be a lot of new stuff, but I also want to be realistic about what I can, what I'm physically capable of. And so just sprinkling some stuff in there and, and I'm always kind of fine tuning and changing arrangements and ask the horn players, not, most of them are on iPad, iPod pads right now, but like the horn players are still at paper charts have like 10 versions of each song because I'll always be updating them. So it's like, which uh, day, which version are we playing on the show or for like various horn arrangements if Again, I'll, like, I'll change some of the harmonies to make sure that the crucial parts are there when we don't have the, whole, the full array. Um, but yeah, so, so I do really like the idea of coming out with, with like 
all new sets. Yeah. Um, and it being the big machine that it is, I'm not sure if that's completely realistic, but I'd love to love to do it. Or we do some like, I, I like to get like obscure covers in the mix, but I also thought maybe just doing some shows that are just, I mean, when I do the jazz shows, more of the jazz oriented stuff at the jazz estate or blue or stuff like that with a little smaller band, I do a lot of nights where it's just originals. And with the bigger band, like some of the dance tunes, there's like so much stuff to draw from that is like obscure covers. But I thought, you know what, at least some of these shows upcoming when we come back, I want to do all original material too. You know, that's another, oh, yeah. you know, those are the thoughts I'm having. Just much like what you're thinking is just like, how, how are we going to come back? You know? Oh yeah. Looking yep. forward to, looking forward to how, how you guys piece it together. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I'm, I'm sure that's a conversation a lot of groups are having right now. You yep. know? Um, also shout out to the funk club wagon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. They did. They really were there at the right time. You know, it's yeah. really cool. They needed people needed that shit. Oh, yeah. Um, you want to give a quick uh, update on uh, living tub? Uh, just yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, um, Elton Lawson, um, Eltron, um, he's kind of like the main, we, we would do a mix, but he's like the main like dub engineer for it. I've had several conversations with him about picking it back up, you know, right after my, my son Phineas was born in, in 2016, I kind of put an end to, I, I needed to cut some stuff out of my schedule and the living dub was going like a regular residency with Matt Selector Max, um, who's also a, a great friend. And, and, and um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, we'll have that conversation too, just getting that, that vibe back in the mix. But yeah, Elton and I, I think it's, it's something that I think the future holds some, some more living dub. Um, I'm still in contact with kind of the group, although Carl Nichols isn't living here anymore, but there's plenty of great guitar players as well. Shout out to Carl Nichols, such a talented guy. Oh yeah, he's so good. He's so fun to play music with. I, I really love that guy. I had him in, I had this crazy dream a couple months ago. I, we were texting back and forth for a while I, that we were, I, we were like standing in line outside at some pandemic like food place. We were getting food and there was like Ethiopian music blaring over the sound system. And we were just like hanging out. It was a pretty cool dream to have. Um, but yeah, so, so Living Dub, I do have a lot of recordings from our time playing at the Nomad and, and the live shows we did. And so my thought has been, as I've kind of been going back and listening to them is, is compiling um, <clears throat> like, a, like maybe a live recording, much like I was talking about with Dela is doing something that's just like a release of, of like some, some, some of the finer moments in that and kind of editing them and putting some out. But I also think that as far as playing live shows or doing some recordings, that's definitely in the future, especially now that my, my little guy's getting older, um, you know, and, he, he's he's gonna be he was supposed to be going to k4 this year but that kind of got trained but he'll be like in school next year so i think some space will open up for both holly and i in that sense oh yeah yeah oh yeah david thank you thank you yep. for uh, the update thank you for being here i appreciate um yeah i'm glad we could finally just like have a chat you know share space uh likewise great to you know great to see you yeah, you I've been looking forward to this. I'm really glad to talk with you. Totally. So on our way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Uh, so David, uh, the first one is, what keeps you up at night? What? <laughs> wow. Okay, what keeps me up at night? Um, it's funny, lately, it's um, been, okay, how am I going to make that one moment with this tile work? Or, or, oh yeah, I got to build this thing. And like, there's that yeah. one little tricky thing. Am I going to be able yeah. to get that? 
the and when I'm heavy writing music, what keeps me up at night is when I'll be working on something like is like and I'll be sitting there either working out lyrics, or I'll be <laughs> singing to myself in bed and I can't turn it off when I get like when I'll get in the in the zone with with music. So um, and sometimes I'll be riffing on, on carpentry projects like that. But yeah, that's what keeps me up at night mainly. And my daughter, uh, Livia, who I watched the sunrise with this morning, who is a certified night owl. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have to get her sometimes. I'm like, Livy, you need to go to bed. But yeah, that's a blessing and a curse, you know. Totally, totally. Yeah. Thanks after your dad, though. Yeah. The second question is, what puts you to sleep? Oh, yeah. What puts me to sleep? Um, long days lately, long, hard days of work, these early mornings that have become, you know, really my, my norm. I can't really even sleep in anymore. I used to be able to sleep until whenever I needed. Um, so I'm usually pretty bush at the end of the day, but you know, just a, a nice little check-in with Holly uh, and some books with the kids. And um, you know, that, that stuff will really kind of get my mind at ease and, uh, and, and, and get, have me sleeping soundly. Fantastic. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you and uh, your family, you know? Uh, yeah, it just sounds like um, you're really like, enriching your time with them and uh that's that's great man uh so like we need that like in like yeah. in such a confusing and chaotic time man yep i want to get you know like holly is a very hopeful person i've learned a lot from her because i i tend to be more of a cynic I've, I've got you know a positive streak but i tend to be i have you know a little more darkness a little cynicism in me and it and but I still always love like helping to build kind of bridges in the community. And, and that's something that her and I really, really strive for is because, yeah, I mean, hope you gotta, you gotta have some hope in this world. You yeah. Know? So, oh yeah. That optimism, it goes such a long way. Yeah, it really does. Thanks again, Dave, for uh, being on the show. Uh, for everyone watching uh, De La Buena, Living Dub, I'll be tagging links. You know what to do. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We will see you next time. Cheers. Yeah.